Oh, it's off! Oh, Jesus Christ. Get, get, get Love to end the cup. Heartbeat, why do you miss when my baby kisses me? Heartbeat, why does a love kiss stay in my memory? Little Pat, I know that new love thrills me. I know that true love will be heartbeat. Why do you miss when my baby kisses me? Welcome to Thousand East End, episode 104, and uh, we're back, Prof. A so week out, a week out we had. So we are still sponsored by Camille. Still gorgeous. And they tweeted us recently. See that? My good name is being used for Camille advertising. You see that? I couldn't believe that. The, he said, couldn't let the prof down. And he said his review, bleeding gorgeous. <laughs> I was, I couldn't actually have no info on it whatsoever. I don't know who did it. So it's Well, that's some, your catchphrase. Not mine. Yeah, somebody, somebody obviously listens to know who you are and what that is. So, uh, yeah, so that's a big shout out to Camille. And uh, it has to be the crispy chili chicken prof. It has to be. Have the official it. meal of Tifties. So, uh, yeah, we've another night to talk about. Another big one to remember in Galway. What a city. And we look forward uh, to the Pats game on Friday. And we continue our all-time 11 features. Robert Goggins and McDermott Ferris pick the best Roy Fulls. And there's the tie of the round in Quifties with Joey and Alan Manis. The heavyweight championship of the world face-off in the last spot for the quarterfinal. So, uh, loads to look forward to, Prof. Congratulations, Gary. Today is your 100 episode. Yeah, you and fucking Aussie Nate having <laughs> little awards, were you? Having little awards. Yeah, Aussie Nate is, is thrilled with you. I think I've been on more other podcasts than you, though. I think, that's <laughs> a, I think your, your tally is one. Oh, is that that? Just uh, between the strips. The <laughs> extinct podcast? Yeah. <laughs> that's something to shout about, isn't it? So, but, uh, me and, by the way, me and Aussie Nate went to uh, the last podcast on the left on Vicker Street a couple of weeks ago. You get any ideas? Because uh, you cancelled at the last minute because you're uh. not a real friend. <laughs> so he went with me. And I had told him going in that of the three guys that do this show, Marcus Parks, I called him the prof of the tree. Because like he just like, calmly narrates everything. And then you get these other two idiots. And he's probably got bodies under his, under his, uh, down, in his dungeon, like you. <laughs> these other two idiots just come in and just make all these ridiculous observations. And then your man just returns again calmly. Yeah, keeps to the, the story. Keeps the status quo. Keeps his head while there's madness all around him. So every time he would do that, Nate would just die laughing because <laughs> he was like, "Ah, it's the prof." Look up. <laughs> but, so, um, yeah, do you get any ideas? I don't know if I got ideas, but I was just thinking I'd actually compare our show more so to the likes of them rather than Greatest League in the World and NOI Weekly. If you know what I mean. Yeah, they would you call it? I don't know. Would you call them those guys more structured and I don't know. It's, it's hard. To, it's hard to compare, you know. But if you're wondering, like, what what actually influences this show? I don't know about you, but from my point of view, it's things like that. Like I hear very little of other football podcasts. I don't. I didn't go into this. I didn't even know 
like what you're meant to do or when to talk about or anything. We just kind of went in with our own ideas, and it was stuff like this that inspired me. Uh, and remember our little combo last week about the sort of podcast boom? Yeah. That riveting conversation we had. <laughs> Nate con- sort of continued off with that. He was kind of saying that if you think back in the early part of the 20th century, it was all radio. And then television took over in like the 50s and 60s. And now, despite all these advances in technology, we're gravitating back towards the spoken word. We're going back to radio. Yeah. It's kind of mad. Yeah, it's handy and it's accessible. I think that's what it is, you know? Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, we were getting some more lovely messages here. If Darren Murphy on Facebook said, lads, don't know what I'd do without the podcast, living in Vancouver, and I haven't been able to come home this season. I was waiting to get residency here, and I couldn't leave. So listen to the podcast every week on my commute to work, and it really keeps me in the loop. I fucking love it. What a season we've had, and I wouldn't have heard about half it without the podcast. Got the all clear of the visa, so being lads down road, if we get there, keep on fucking hooping. So uh, big shout out to Darren Murphy, and living his life in Vansterdam, having the crack. Smoking the dubs. Yeah, so. great message to get in from there. Also, someone in Galway, I think it was uh, James Lowe, said that he's, he's normally at all these games that we review. So all we're kind of doing is reminding him, him of what happened. But in this case... Reminding he, being the big one. Yeah. The big word there. In this case, he wasn't at the game. So he said we made it feel like he was there. Which I thought was a really cool thing to say. Because that's yeah. kind of our aim. Especially for overseas hoops like, like Derek. To give them like a visual description. Yeah. Also, did you see pics of uh, Kempes? He has a new Rovers teamed bar. Oh man, Forky sent this to us and it looks unbelievable. So uh, we are totally open to moving the Tifty's Roadshow. <laughs> Definitely Kempes. And it's a, like it's a proper bar. Yeah, it's serious. Like, proper. <laughs> I think he was polishing a, a glass for the photograph. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, big shout out to Derek and uh, Prof. You're gonna love this one, the proposed eight-team league. Um, this seems like one of those things that is being dropped, and subtle, <clears throat> not subtle hints, but just they've released this statement in the paper purely to soften the blow that it is gonna happen. That sort of happened with the ten-team league, didn't it? I think it is. They've they've dropped this little thing on us now, and they're saying, okay, well. We'll, we'll soften the blow by six months and give it to them and then see what happens. Let's play each other five times. That'd be great. Why? Who comes up with this? I want to know who came up with it. I, I have a question, right? <laughs> one, of my, <laughs> one of my most hated phrases in football is we want more meaningful games. If you have a strong, thriving league that takes care of itself. Yep. Every game is meaningful. It's can, uh, you, can you eight, name one oh, league to me in world football where it got significantly better, not by investment or by a higher standard, standard of players, but by changing the structure and the format of the league itself in terms of European and relegation. It wouldn't places. be something I'd be looking out for, but I don't think it happens that often. Around the world. But it just never happened. I don't think it happens that much around the world. But what do you do? Who do you scalp? How do you scalp? Do you keep going around that road of... Like, that's... That's, ugh, that's not even worth thinking about. A-team league. Every single person. I haven't seen one positive remark about this. Not one. And rightly so. It's crazy, crazy. It's going to be 12 idea. in the first division if this happens. Why? Like, what's the aim eventually? What is... The, the idea is like, to have... If there's less 
stronger teams and it, it brings a bit of a higher standard, I suppose. No, totally don't. Then you don't get UCD drifting at the bottom of the table. No, it's bullshit. UCD are kind of a madhouse, aren't they? Like they go on this long run of defeats and then they pop up with some wins. Yeah, yeah. I think Finn Harps. Finn Harps been strong lately just before the recent lull and results. Cody O'Neill sort of spilled the beans there, didn't he, on the I, LOI Weekly? I don't think... I only listened to half. Yeah. I didn't get a chance to go through it. Well, what did he was, say? He was very respectful now. Like He wouldn't name names, but he... Beans all over the studio. But he was talking about... Surprising to hear about the UCD board interfering with, you know, team selection and stuff. Like, it's madness. Team selection? Oh, I must check that out. What I actually, you, do you know just, what? I checked my SoundCloud this morning and it's still paused miraculously because SoundCloud can be erratic. <laughs> so it's still on the place I left it. So Yeah. Well, we, we had heard this already, but we didn't know whether it was going to become public or not. And Cody pretty much alluded to it. And that is, he played a certain player. Yes. <laughs> and the board wanted another player instead of him to go in that 11. And they weren't happy about it. And... Ultimately, that kind of led to him leaving. That's insane. He's right to leave. I leave as well. You can't be told how to play and what to do by a board. As regards to team selection, anyway, that's crazy. Um, yeah, so the A-team league, we can put that in the fucking bin. Uh, adios to that. And we go for the results of our first poll for the Tifties all-time Rovers 11 and the goalkeepers from the Milltown era. you remember the whack nominated those. Dave Henderson got one vote. Pat Dunn got 11. Jody Bourne got 14. Alan O'Neill streaked. Away with it, with ninety four. So uh, he is. Um, yeah, I thought it'd be closer. Although officially our number one, Alan O'Neill. I suppose Adam played in the nineties as well, so more people will remember him. This isn't going to be an exact science. No, that's kind of how people are going to vote. And we had a decisive winner in our Facebook poll for the best keeper after Milltown put forward by Dutch Jerry. And here's how the fans voted. Robbie Horgan with one vote, Ryan Thompson with 11. Tony O'Dowd with 13 and Alan Manis with 198. So Tony O'Dowd, I think he listens. I met him in the pub on the weekend. <laughs> I said, Tom, we'll get you over the line. Get you that 180 votes you need. <laughs> but uh, Tony's a great lad. And a jersey heading your way, Dutch Jerry. Yeah, signed it and we'll get it to you as soon as we see it. It's actually deadly. It's that old school Adidas one with the old FAI crest and signed and everything. So oh, cool. uh, an XL as well. So Dutch could, Jerry and the Whack. Dutch Sounds Jerry like the cast of a mobster film. <laughs> yeah. With Dutch Jerry. <laughs> I checked who voted for Robbie Horgan. That was Glenn Dunn. I think he just felt bad for him. I'm sure <laughs> yeah, my vote there. He might work in the same post office as yeah. So that is Alamanis is our number one. For uh, post Milltown, so uh, we're going to talk, listen to Mac Dara and Robert now choosing their favourite Rovers right backs, and it's a long one, so getting split into two parts. Okay, I'm here with two men who need no introduction. It's McDara Ferris and Robert Goggins, and this is our Shamrock Rovers all-time eleven feature. We started with the goalkeeper last week. We're moving on to right backs this week. Before we get going, I have to talk about Galway in the FBI Cup on Friday. McDara, incredible scenes once again. Yeah, nothing like an injury time winner um, and Galway, they just must be sick of playing us. I can understand that record of, of running wins is 19, 19 in a row yeah. um, and it didn't look likely at a certain stage when we were 1-0 down but got back into the game. They they didn't they didn't do too much. They defended very deep. They defended well. They made it difficult for us. Uh, we had our usual playing it from left to right and, and, and back again. And maybe we were missing Jack Byrne, who was uh, involved in the Ireland squad. Um, but we kept going. Aaron Green got the equaliser. And then another former Galway man, 
popped up at the end to get a, a header and cue quite the celebration shall we say you were very young obviously when we won it in 1987 so you're kind of looking to see us win your first ever FAI Cup now aren't you yeah I am really and and uh, I was do, I've been doing up a piece for potentially for a cup semi-final uh, chatting to Robert about uh, for the match program and I, I think Robert should embrace this cup specialist tag that's what I'm that's <laughs> what I'm saying I haven't uh, I've been looking in the last couple of years to actually talk to some of the a number of the players that played in the six in a row and um, which has really piqued my interest and and uh, you know, I've just seen Cup heartbreak during my time really falling over. But the, we've got to a lot of semi-finals in the last few years. But it means nothing unless you get to the final, you go and actually you go and actually win one. But um, you know, we, we the three of us would be standing in that tunnel after games when Rovers are playing at home, and you see all those cup wins and you see all those lead titles. So um, there is that space left at the end. So maybe, just maybe. Or did you drive up to Galway? I did, Carl, and um, I was actually on duty as photographer. I was going down to the match anyway, but I was speaking to George the day before, and uh, there was none of the other photographers going. So I thought um, I'll deploy to Galway, let them know I'm coming down uh, to do photography. So I was behind the goal that Rovers were shooting into uh, throughout the match. Um was a bit concerned when um, Lafferty got booked, uh, just afraid that something silly was going to happen again like last year against Drogheda that maybe he would get sent off not saying he was doing anything to get sent off but you can just start reading these sort of things in your mind when something like that happens um, Galway obviously narrowed the pitch they set out their game plan they actually played quite well which surprised me because coming up to the game I was quite confident that we would actually win comfortably and I'm not usually like that to be honest with you but I felt that um, I felt that our recent form and the way the team has been strengthened and the way everything has gone for us now at the moment, I just felt that this was a spot where we weren't going to slip up. If a slip was going to come, it wasn't going to come uh, on that night in Galway. But it was looking very much like it after we went to goal behind. Um, I felt we didn't we overused Ronan Finn in the first half on the wing. It actually worked out quite well when they did that in the second half. But I wasn't that we possibly overused them but I just felt that we didn't use Sean Kavanagh enough because there were plenty of occasions in that first half where Sean actually had loads of room on the left and on, he wasn't getting enough of the ball I felt and on a couple of occasions where he did get it and uh, went on a burst into the box he actually, we actually caused them a lot of problems so um, look it all worked out well in the end second half um, very good very exciting uh, didn't think Kevin Horgan could play that well to be really quite honest with you but he obviously can um, and fair dues to him pulled off a few top drawer saves in the second half I could just see the, the headlines straight after the match former keeper denies Rovers a spot in the semi-finals <laughs> but uh, thank God that didn't happen Do you think something special might be happening here could the 25th Cup be on the cards? Look, I think now um, we're potentially 180 minutes away from lifting that cup, but it's really, really difficult now when you come into the semi-final stage uh, because obviously you're up against possibly, you know, the best, the strongest teams in the competition. That doesn't always necessarily work out because look and the look of the draw can come into it, but you are definitely up against uh, very strong teams. So we're speaking and the draw hasn't been major. It's very difficult to say. All I would say is that I believe that we are capable, we have the squad, 
uh, if we play as well as we can uh, if we play as well as we did in the European games then definitely uh, our name could be on that cup this year Okay, so we'll get going just a reminder how this works uh, Robert is going to pick four right backs from before 1987 McDarrell will pick his four after 1987 we're going to go back and forth between I'm going to start with Robert give us your first Robert's right back well my situation is that um, I didn't start going to games until 1980 in January 1980 and uh, you're kind of confining me here Carl going from 1980 to 1987 but we've discussed this and rather than clutter it up with a couple of full backs that would have been there then uh, I'm going back a bit further as a club historian I'm going back um, to 1950s uh, so I'm going to nominate someone from the 1950s and the 1960s and then a couple from the, the late 70s and the 80s. So my first nomination would be um, Mickey Burke, who was a member of the famous Codes Colts team. Um, he joined us in 1951 from a very famous schoolboy club called um, Johnville, who at that time supplied a lot of players to the Dublin clubs for League of Ireland. Uh, Mickey was a schoolboy and a minor Ireland international player. Um, he was signed by Paddy Code, who personally went out to watch a lot of players himself at the time. Uh, signed up for the youth team and the youth structure that Paddy had put in place in Milltown. And uh, Mickey came along at the same time to Rovers as Jerry Mackey. Uh, Mickey was son of John Burke, who joined Rovers from Care Park in Tipperary in 1927, and who also played as a right full. So it was it was in his blood for sure. Um, he wasn't the tallest of players. You wouldn't think, looking at him in the photographs. And I want to emphasise that I never actually saw him play. Uh, but I can see from old team photographs and that he wasn't a very tall guy. But one thing that I could see in him was that he was exception. He looked like an exceptionally strong player, uh, well built, built like a tank, and he, had, he seemed to have a very strong physique. Um, he was spoken very fondly of by a lot of the old Rovers fans at the time, including my own dad, who went to League of Ireland matches every Sunday but didn't uh, support any one particular club. He didn't support Rovers, for instance, uh, so I didn't get that from my dad, but I'd often hear my dad talk quite a lot about Mickey Burke. Um, Mickey Burke was, he was a winner, uh, as every player had to be in, in that team. Um, his dad, John, was never present on the, the team that won the Cup from 29 to 33 to 5 in a row, and it was obviously a massive influence on Mickey himself. So uh, Mickey himself won league titles for Rovers. He was on that team in 1953-54, the team that hadn't won the league since 1938-39. And a lot of them were quite young players. Mickey was only 21 himself at the time. So he won the league in 53-54, 56-57, 58-59. And he also won the cup in 55 and in the very famous cup final of 1956. Uh, he won nearly everything that I think he won absolutely everything that uh, a League of Ireland player could win during those 1950s and he was captain one occasion by Ireland and he was a regular on the interleague teams which were massive games then at that time playing against Scotland, England, Wales, Germany whatever and like he'd be getting 20,000 and that, that, at those matches um, he also played on the very first Shamrock Rovers team that played in Europe when we were drawn against the famous Busby Babes of Man United. Uh, the team didn't do too well at home in the first leg, but it was an eye-opener for them. But when they went to Old Trafford, they 
they lost 3-2 after they put in a really good performance but I'm just going to quote from the match report uh, from Old Trafford which said that Burke and Mackey who were the fulls may not have been able to do much against Peg and Berry in man-to-man duels but they always got back when they when beaten to cover off with excellent efficiency that might I think might give some sort of a description of the, the sort of players that fullbacks were at that time and what you needed from your fullbacks and I think that Mickey Burke um, ticked all the boxes for everything that you needed uh, he was dropped in a cup match against Pats in 1958 which I think was probably the beginning of the end for him as it was with a lot of players who served in the Cunningham era and the Cunninghams were the club directors but they were actually the selectors they, they chose the, the players who were playing the teams which wasn't unusual at the time that's the way it was um, so I reckon that was probably where Mickey decided to, to move on and he joined Drumcondra. Um I never actually met him, I never actually interviewed him. I spent a lot of time down around Rings End, Sandy Mount, when I was researching for the Hoops book. Uh, I don't think I went to interview Mickey because I had already spoken to Liam Hennessy and Jerry Mackey and you couldn't do too many from the same era. But I probably would have tried to meet him again and do something for the programme at some stage. Uh, I remember being at his funeral, he died in 2003 and his funeral was in the Star of the Sea Church in Sandy Mount and I think that the massive turnout there was a, a tremendous tribute to him. Okay, so Mike Dare, you're first right back. So maybe I'll set the scene about my uh, my supporter over. So I would have attended Milltown for a number of games in the last kind of couple of seasons uh, when I was quite young. So um, And then subsequent to that when we left Milltown, I didn't go to games. Talca Park was uh, north side. I wouldn't have been wouldn't have been heading there as a as a young kid at that stage. My dad wasn't overly interested. But when Rovers came back to the south side and and got a home for a you know a semi reasonably long period in the RDS, I would have gone to games. Went to the first game there against Pats um, with my father, and I would have gone kind of regularly. And then after that, I would have begun to to go on a regular basis. And so the first fullback I'd I've picked first right back. I've picked is Willie Burke, who was part of the the league winning team in the ninety three ninety four season. And uh, you know we were talking about the cup earlier on and about you know the 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 cup specialist versus the cup drought that I've seen in in, in my time. And um, and a lot of that's due to the fact that we were moving around from ground to ground. And I think it's always interesting that the one kind of major trophy that we won um, between Milltown and getting to Tala, um, and, and you know we we won trophies pretty quickly after getting to Tala, was the time when we had that period in in the RDS, and that ninety three ninety four season I remember quite well. I would have gone to a lot of the games. Um, I, I would have gone to a couple of the the away matches. We went to the the one in Talca Park when when Rovers won against Shelburne very late on, which effectively won the the title. I think when you're you're picking out your your best players, I think I had to think of well that ninety three ninety four season, which had some great players, and there'll definitely be some some players from that team that'll be in other people will be picking out for their four for people to vote on and definitely be in the team I can think of a few um, that I think well who was the right back in the in the, in the year that we won Willie Burke so he, he had won Young Player of the Year I think it was 1991 um, he played in the the um, 
you know, subsequently, again, that that kind of team broke up, and I think that's why it was the only success that we that we won. A lot of those the, the players, and Burke was one of them, didn't hang around too long um, after that league win side. So he actually went on to Pats, where he won three league titles. I think it's four league titles in all that he won, but the first one was with Rover. So so he's the the first right back that that I've chosen. Okay, your second one, Robert. I'm moving up a decade now to the 1960s and I'm picking a player called John Kyo and like Mickey Burke, uh, John Kyo was a regular throughout the 1960s, you know, throughout the decade in which he played. Uh, John was a young player who came to us from an outstanding Stella Maris minor team. Uh, he was again brought to Rovers by Paddy Code and placed into the C team at Milltown. The C team was by what I would suggest the, the third team but I think he skipped very quickly out of that and into the first team um, he went on to play for us for nine years throughout the 1960s in that rifle position and you know there was a very strong Waterford team during that decade who won some league titles and it was quite difficult for anybody else I suppose to challenge them Rovers were probably the closest to them um, we finished runners-up a couple of times but didn't actually win the league other than 63-64. But we did dominate the Cup throughout that period and John uh, won medals with us in 62, 63, 64, 65, 66 and then captained us in 1967 against St. Pat's and he also played in two replays so that's uh, eight Cup finals if you like altogether he also played in the 69 cup final which i'll come back to now in just a second <laughs> but um we signed uh, paddy mulligan in 1964 and paddy mulligan went in for a little while as roy full and displaced john but then i think sean thomas moved paddy mulligan up a little bit field and john joe slotted back in as right back um, I think it was a great achievement to have played so consistently as John Kyo did in the side of the 1960s uh, because uh, there would have been a lot of competition for places at that time. Uh, you had to be a particularly strong player to, to you know to hold down your place for, for so long. Um, the club recognised him in 1967 when they granted him a benefit game along with uh, Pat Courtney. And that game was played against West Ham at Daily Mount Park. And he was over 20,000 people at it. It was the Jeff Hurst played, the famous English player, played in that game. And it ended 5 all. So that was a tremendous recognition for John at that time. And unfortunately he was to leave us not long after that. Because I think he too also probably fell out with the Kilcoynes. Or with the Cunninghams I should say. Um, he played nine times in, in Europe for us. And his first game was against uh, Valencia in the Ferris Cup in 63 in Daily Mount when we lost 1-0. So he was a very consistent player throughout the 1960s for us. Uh, the 1969 Cup final, he didn't actually play for us. He played for Cork Celtic where he went on to after us. And being the very generous man that he was, he saw that we were in danger of not being going to break the five in a row that the team said in the late 1920s and 1930s. So he very generously scored an OG for us when the game, when we were losing 1-0. And, uh, you know, an awful lot of people probably still meet John now and remind him about that, but I don't think that's really fair because of everything else that he achieved with us throughout that decade that he was with us. Same with the Noel Sinner then for Waterford in the 80s. 
Oh, I remember that one well. <laughs> yeah, uh, Noel gets a lot of stick over that even to this day, I'm sure, whenever he goes down to Waterford. Okay, number three, right there. Or sorry, number two. Yeah, so I move on to kind of the time when we were moving around, mostly playing in, in Talca Park, and it would have been Talca Park that um, Matt Britton would have would have played extensively. Um, he uh, played a schoolboy football in Joey's out in out in Sally Noggin, um and won a league title with Dundalk in 94-95. So had bef- this was before he came to came to Rovers, and then uh, he moved north to the border to play with Ards in the Irish League, and Rovers signed him on a on a Bosman um, to come back to the to come back to the club, moving from the Irish League to the to the League of Ireland, and he was always a player I I, I liked. Um, uh, kind of a, a player, a fullback, a kind of a, a small guy. I have this theory about whether um, you know really tall players should be uh, should be fullbacks. I like to see a speedy, smaller guy who can get up and down. I think that's what Matt Britton Britton brought to the um, brought to the team. So he was the Rovers Player of the Year in the ninety seven ninety eight season, um, and he played three seasons with with Rovers and played in the Intertoto Cup. So. Um, you know when Rovers weren't playing in in Europe at that stage and and, and weren't successful, but I think he uh, he subsequently went on to play with a number of other clubs, played with Bray Wanderers, and I think one of the reasons why maybe I picked him out, Matt Britton uh, uh, Carpets, I think it is. He's the sponsor yeah. of Bray Wanderers, so he's he's obviously still um, still interested in the League of Ireland and interested enough to to put his name on a on a jersey as well. But he, he was a player I really liked. And was someone who probably missed out on greater success at Rovers just because it was the club was still in in a bit of turmoil at that at that stage. Kind of he came towards the end of that period when we were playing in in Talk Park, but didn't. Uh, I think I'm right in saying he didn't pick up any any trophies because we were just not successful at the time. But he was always a player I enjoyed uh, watching play, and so yeah, he's the he's the second that I'm going to put up for the the four. So that was a uh, fourth part of McLaren and Robert. And uh, very uh, James Nolan esque with their notes, scare. Yeah. Two of them had their notes out. Yeah, I met Mark there at the Crumlin game, and we talked about the commence for the for the scramble and the tickets, <laughs> and he very coolly just said, "Members only, Gare." <laughs> so uh, yeah, it's very interesting. It's a it's a topic we could do all over again. It's something you could do with different people, and you'd have you'd have nearly yeah. different eleven. So that's the cool thing about it. Well, in this case, Robert has gone all the way back to the 1950s which I've looked given our plan for guests so just far just short of telling us what they had for breakfast I know yeah given our guests uh, don't not many are going to go back that far I reckon the, the man we've chosen for wingers could pick Paddy Code potentially yeah he was an inside left or inside right as it was called back then but we won't get too technical with our formations inside right yeah and uh I asked the two lads a bit about Galway as well. The two of them are dreaming of that 25th Cup gear. It's all we can do at the moment, isn't it? It's all we can do. So we'll hear more of that later on. Yeah, so we'll move on to this epic night in Galway. Amy DC Park. Danny Lafferty and Bill Watts came in for the injured Joey O'Brien, Jack Bourne, who's on international duty. And, uh, Could you imagine Robert's shot afterwards <sighs> if we had lost this game without Jack Bourne? I'd say... You'd have to know. I'd say no way you log on to your phone, put in your code, click on Rovers chat, the phone just would have <laughs> exploded on the spot. Hell of my screen cracked. Like, I right, didn't even drop it. I've lost a hand. Uh, yeah. yeah, it was uh, 
I, I was never totally worried, to be honest, going in without him. I thought we were a really good squad. We could do a lot without him, considering the, the level of opposition. No disrespect to them. They're quite a few points off mid-table in the fourth division. So I thought we could easily do a job with them, but that wasn't the case. But Two players to be missing, though. It's not good. You're missing that bit of creativity, and you're missing Joey O'Brien, that calm in defence. Yeah, yeah. Two uh, very different aspects of the game. But Joey with his uh, well plantar fascia. Uh, Never even heard before. I was getting the team news on the Sounds phone. Sounds like something you put in the, in the corner of your room. <laughs> I was getting the team news on the phone from Brazzer and I was like, it was a long pause and I said, can you repeat that? <laughs> <laughs> what is it? You got it yeah. in Ikea? Yeah. So that was the like... plantar fasciae. Yeah. Very nice, bro. Very nice pronunciation. I had to, I had to Google foot injuries. It was like, ah, oh, that looks like it. So. But uh, two weeks was the initial diagnosis. Hopefully it's not going to be more than that. I met Joey there at Rosedown, uh yesterday and he was doing physio work and he said it's going well and he's walking on it now. So <sighs> Poor guy. He's just riddled, isn't he? We, um, we were hearing that his season's over. I hope that's not the case. I really hope it's not the case. Big fan of Joey. But uh, yeah, we ran a bus again. More madness. Prof, more madness. Not as sweaty as it was last time. Happy enough with that. No, just as sticky though. Ser- on the floors. Yeah, sticky but no sweat. Stick but no sweat. Mm. And uh, they were shirtless men though. Yeah, the back seat was infiltrated again. It was um no sorry not again. It was infiltrated and mm-hmm. we uh, quickly swiftly solved that problem. Get up the front. Youngsters you these days, girl. I know. Yeah. No respect. No with respect their, for the seniority. The tifty seniority. With their Instagram and their hippity hop. <laughs> Shaking fists at them. We were. <laughs> Well, Keith Comfort was delighted with his double mention on last week's show as well. He's a bit of a fanboy, isn't he? Yeah, he loved two things. He said he loved the, the intro. Do you remember there was a couple, there was a few things yeah, thrown together. Yeah, the mishmash. Yeah, a lot of bold references to that. And he liked the cameo from my cat, Gare. Not here today, but... No, not here today. She might pop maybe, in Maybe later. so, might pop in, yeah. yeah, to try and fucking attack me again. <laughs> Stupid cat. I didn't know that was him on the BBC documentary. I hadn't seen it in so long. <laughs> yeah. And the head wrapped up. <laughs> yeah. And there's actually a flag dedicated to that interview where it says it's only half time. Really? Yeah. I didn't even know. Yeah. No, he's a, uh, he's a good lad. Restraining order pending though, I'd say, eventually. Uh, Mrs. Mrs. is very fond of, of Lee Grace, mm-hmm. by the way, which was... just thought I'd give that a shout out. Um, Aussie Nate wants us to produce uh, Tifty's beer holders like the one he has. Yeah, he always has the little, the little thing, the jersey and the little... little uh, Sleeves coming out of the side. That's how you notice he's around. Cause he's got <laughs> he's drinking a jersey sleeves. I think it's a rugby yeah. league thing. He reckons we can market them. But they are absolutely a genius for that bus. Great idea. And once yeah. again, uh, Aussie Nate with the with the shrewd ideas popping up out of the cooler bag. So lads get starstruck when they meet Nate. Ah, you saying like yeah. people come up to him like, are you, are you Nate? Uh, are you that guy? Has there yeah. been groupies yet, Aussie Nate? He'll, he'll never tell. Because he's still relatively new to all this, so I was explaining to him about these cups that we play in and their order of priority. Significant. Leicester Senior so, Cup. Leicester yeah. Senior being top of the pile. So he says, oh yeah, I'm still learning to separate the cups and the plates, the knives and the spoons. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking rock and roll shit, mate. Uh, yeah, the, and then our, our journey, uh, we went straight to Aura Square couple of latecomers but it didn't delay us too much traffic was pretty shit as well um but we went straight to our square jumped off and into a pub called barna hollow who which were now barred for life uh but it was good while it lasted it was a good hour 
Yeah, um, no locker room bar anymore, unfortunately, but great prices in that pub. I gave a tenner. I got us two a drink. And I got two euro change. And I, I was like, sorry, has it been some mistake? <laughs> Points at Chewborg, that's why. <laughs> <laughs> um, massive, massive crowd. Huge, mm. great. Uh, the crack in the square was great. Yeah. Uh, just drinking points and 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 some of them ended up walking to the to the stage. That was probably my highlight of the trip until the last minute winner. It was like it was getting to maybe twenty five minutes to kick off, and uh, Usher's just there in the center, just outside the pub. And he goes, "We'll be walking, lads. Let's walk it, yeah." And then we're all so drunk and impression we're like yes he's the leader now follow <laughs> yeah. him I didn't even do it because I had yeah. to be very uh, yeah. professional and make sure the bus got there and then I saw you going over to whisper with him like, I knew exactly what you were saying I was like listen we have, we have to drive some people today yeah <laughs> no, I, I was just saying listen I actually have an obligation to get people to the ground <laughs> if they've paid to get to the ground yeah. I'll be on the bus but listen have, to have, a, have a bit of crack um, massive crowd again prof huge uh, what was your what was your uh, thoughts on the crowd itself? How many do you think were there? Of us? In mm, no, general, overall. I don't know about overall, but I said we had 600 plus. Easy, easy. Fucking great. The official tens overall was like one and a half thousand, which seems dodgy. Not a chance. Very dodgy. Not a chance. Fiddling the fucking, the, the phones there. Mm. Not a chance. Um, we're talking to James and Carol who were as you recall, they weren't at the Bows game because they were at Electric Blanket. Yeah. And they learned of a Rawers fan who lives in Leash but has never been to a game. Fascinated by this. Who the hell is this? A barstooler. Make yourself known because you're coming on the show. <laughs> a Rawers fan who's never been to a game. A League of Ireland barstooler. They Mind exist. Mind blown. It's rare as rocking horse shit. <laughs> so we're definitely getting this fella on the show. Yeah, um, so we got just we got that bus as you said to the ground, and about six or seven minutes into it, as you just see all the houses out the window, I just thought, so glad I didn't walk this. Oh man, it was it was yeah. it was a bit of a walk. <laughs> no, it certainly wouldn't have been me though. And very important update: there, a fantastic burger. Oh, of course! Come on, give us the give us the so, review. So I would like to announce at this point in 2019 my official rankings. Okay, oh, I'm loving this. Number one. Number one. You're starting with one, and you want to start with five. Give us the well, give us the countdown. Give us the give us the one. No, I went three, and right. the second the two of them are joints, so it won't take long. In joint second place, <laughs> the burgers in Derry and Galway. Derry and Galway burger joint yep. second. Number one. <laughs> The hot dog at UCD. The UCD hot dog? It Not was even a burger? Sensational. Really? Yeah. Did it have those crispy onions on it? Oh, it certainly did. Oh, I love those. Did you go for mustard? I think I went for both. I'm a, I'm a fan of mustard and ketchup mm. together now. Or red sauce, as they say. Ketchup. So, um, so when we were looking at the crowd, like we say, being six to seven hundred. Swole. And it's cup weekend. And you're just looking around. We're singing, she wore, she wore. Yeah. Glenn Dunn's wa- daughter walks by, literally has green ribbons yeah. in her hair. Yeah. The John Connolly sign is placed in the corner of the pitch. He just has it up above the head. We'll get back to that later. But then I started to feel very nervous. Oh, really? 
Yeah. You started getting the field then. Because not even that, that, that unusual. Like We were knocked out by a first division club last year. Yeah. Happened to Fingal in 2009. Brazier missed the last minute penalty. And then... Plown and Waterford knocked us out in the 90s. Mm-hmm. We've been humiliated a few times. For as many times that we've won it, we have been humiliated. It's and just an awful affair, these cups. It's just... <laughs> it's just it's gut-wrenching stuff, isn't it? Terrible. Massacres. The stuff we put ourselves through. But the like, chances, like, they're... Wasn't many. No, not in that first half. We were shy. Let's be honest, we were terrible. They just had two banks of four, moving in unison and just defending Trojan, like Trojan. So Finn and Grace had a couple of half chances. What probably our best one was when Horgan came out to punch the ball clear ahead of Burke, and Green Green had a little back header. Had a had the goal gave at him and he headed it wide. Yeah, a little flick. But the, that was pretty much it from our point of view. I think we might have had a clearance right at the end from Perky, but yeah. 34 minutes they came and they scored and um, here we go again is what we were saying. I was always confident that we could do it even as bad as we were. I, I just thought we could do it and um, Morris Nugent. Yeah, the ball just dropped to him on the six yard line. Yeah, he got a bit of luck, didn't he? He couldn't miss really. And then we'd Lafferty switch at the right back and Finn pushing forward up as well. So it just, uh, yeah, there wasn't much to talk about. Uh, Can you imagine the headlines if Kevin Horgan had been the hero on this night. He was actually really good. He was, he, he was making some good saves. That save yeah. that he, we'll move on in a while actually, but the one all, 56 minutes, Aaron Green, I think he actually did very, very well to stroke this home because it Not was as coming at my pace. And it could have easily been blasted over the bar. So yeah. big shout out to Greener for actually doing this and like, then slapping the head off the defender and getting away with it. I think was he trying to get him sent off though? Oh, he was, yeah, but like, he was he's just lucky. It yeah. was just like get away from me, you know. It was a push more than that, but it just very lucky not to get away. Slapping right. the mouth, shrub yeah. you, you tick. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, there was calls for to bring Gary Shaw on. Where's Shaw's when you need him? I'm gone. Oh yeah. But uh, scenes again, again it was just the tension was just unbearable. Yeah, so oh, a couple at more least changes. We back in at this point, so we yeah. Do, I, when we got like, back in, I just thought myself, we went not going back down. It's going to be either a replay or we're going to win. I was yeah. that confident. Well, God, we were just you know totally backs to the wall. Yeah. for the second half, we were just pinging in diagonals. Though that was the thing. That it was the strange. Thing. Totally different game plan, wasn't it? Had totally you, different. Have you ever seen us spray so many diagonal balls in no. one match? Never. And it seemed like not on, their, not on their Bradley anyway. It seemed like Dylan Watts was playing a lot of balls that Jack Byrne would normally play, but very few of them were coming off. If any, yeah. I think like I think one of those diagonal balls from Watts actually landed at the feet of a teammate. Yeah, there was a, It just wasn't happening. They were just it wasn't our day at all up until certain events. But Greg Bulger came on for Lafferty, so Gary O'Neill went right back. So we've been sw- we've been lashing the right backs over, switching and changing. And uh, Horgan made a couple of saves from Borky. There was a last gap to tackle on Watts near the end. And like we said, the performance at this point is brutal. Like, making it's the worst very, I've seen us play in years. Making very hard work of this. Yeah, it was no, it was it was terrible. And um, then we just say we were patient though. We were patient. Yeah, we we kept at it. We, we obviously had a game plan and we kept at it. That's the one thing you gotta commend Brazza for. He just he kept going. He kept going and. Absolutely brilliant save by Horgan just before it mm. from Green on his left. 
point blank. Comes back out. He goes to Finner. Finner lays it off to Cavill. Cavill puts in a gorgeous ball. And the way Lee Grace uh-huh. leapt. This leap. Leapt from this. It was just majestic. And pornographic all at the same time. <laughs> I was just... It was slow motion. I was looking at it thinking, no. He's not. <laughs> I didn't even know what minute was on the clock. I wasn't on the pitch. I won't say I was I knew it was an injury time. Unbelievable. I didn't think it was 93. After I thought it was about 80-something, but 93 and the, it just buried it. What a header. Ah, probably ah. my favourite <laughs> header. I can't think of any better one. Like. Twiggy obviously has a couple, but unbelievable. You know, absolute scenes and do you know what absolutely fuck everybody else who says we over celebrate no once again it's not something that you just kind of you're about to jump up and you're like oh hold on we, we can't do this <laughs> we can clap reservedly so sit down guys sit down, just sit just, down. yeah prof is pulling up think of the backlash it's only Galway girl think of the backlash calm down no I'm gone flipping over barriers some of the wildest celebrations I've seen ah. sometimes Sean Long got his, his mom to fame on Sports File oh I saw that yeah <laughs> brilliant brilliant absolutely brilliant stuff yeah. it was never in doubt though. ah never in doubt never, never in doubt Lee Grace yeah. Lee Grace best 25 grand we ever spent yeah if only some of their fans uh, pinpointed that as the moment they began their steep decline yeah if they had held on to him mm-hmm. they might not have been relegated probably still would have been here now yeah very much so in, in the Premier there they definitely tightened the pitch, didn't they? Ah, oh, without a doubt. First thing noticed by the the the, the man that is Robert Goggins, the Gog noticed it, and it's something that teams do all over the country. So I wouldn't be too surprised. Um, Earl Kenny B was on the trip. It was a good throwback, wasn't it? It was a it was quite a different clientele on the bus. It's kind of deja vu, like the last time in Galway. The, the come from behind win the late winner the Barretts were on that one as well yeah yeah. They all that was missing was Joe's in the dress Joe's in the dress well that's probably what he does in his own time so <laughs> hasn't worn a pair of jeans in Galway in three years <laughs> you should have made him wear it just for old time's sake well he wasn't there oh he wasn't there no no she was looking out for him uh, Kenny B yeah he was talking Brexit with Manus so in the midst of all the celebration jumping on the pitch <laughs> he goes yeah Alan what's your thoughts on Brexit <laughs> right in the middle of it all yeah a wedding ring was lost even. I know yeah Noel Barrett lost his wedding ring which yeah. I don't think has been recovered so he is uh, living in the yeah. mothers <laughs> rest in me rest in peace but uh, I love it's been mentioned all over social media the all around hospitality from Galway is always top notch top class Just top this, class this. between stewards between everything everything it was just fantastic and you know it's great when the pitch invasion, their play about as well. It was the same in Waterford. Remember there was a pitch We're invasion. We're just running around them. And the stewards, rings around. They're not chasing us. They're just like, right, it's going to stop. The stewards are just politely encouraging you. It's like, ah, sure, maybe head back in the stands yeah. there, lads. If, if <sighs> you don't mind. Just like, walk through the gate. I'll, I'll open the gate for you. Come on. All right, yeah. go on. I'll give you another 10 seconds. Come on. <laughs> That's pretty it. much what it was like. It was yeah. great. And I would at this point like to express my bitter disappointment with the Connollys. Oh, Gar, I cannot believe they would stoop so low as to photoshop me <laughs> to make it look like I held up that Rawers for the cup sign. You fucking did. There's uh, just and I was told you made a beeline for them. 
There's just no way. You made a beeline for them. They didn't go near you. There's no way, no matter how much peroni I consumed that evening, <laughs> that I would run over there, grab that sign, laugh it above my head. It wouldn't happen. No, I think we're going to have to get uh, the committee to decide on this one. You know how I feel about Temple Faker. Yeah, true, true. Great day for uh, Tommy Kelly. Got to see his win in Galway for the first time. I know, yeah. Special it's, day. We've all popped some sort of cherry in Galway. At one point at the bus stop, he uh, he grabbed a hurl off a local and proclaimed it to be a medieval spoon. <laughs> I claimed this land for overs. Uh, yeah, absolutely epic trip. And once again, one of the reasons we follow football is just to, to experience these nights and uh, jumping oh, around the, epic. the car park. Um, Johnny Wardprof. Yeah. See you tweeting them. I sent them. You send tweets at anyone. Yeah, basically that little thing we said there about calming down our celebrations. I, I sent something along those lines to him, to Johnny Ward, Galway native Johnny Ward. Galway native, yeah. Can I say that this yeah. is probably the best atmosphere I've ever seen at Rovers away game? It was. Outrageous. Can you think of anything else? I can't think of any other atmosphere that was better than that. It was non-stop. Everyone singing. Everyone yeah. blame the cans, obviously, and a few more <laughs> things, and the Haribo. Yeah, Johnny was getting his come up and was he? Johnny replied back that we were being sensitive, but the thing is, he had history with this because he had wrote an article in 2018 pre-season. Remember, we had a couple of red cards mm-hmm. in Portugal. Yeah. So he wrote up this article about how we need to, we don't need brawlers, we need ballers or something. And smack in the middle of this article, just apropos of nothing, it was just. Oh, they celebrated winning the League Cup semi-final against Cork as if they'd won the Euro Minions. So he's done this a few times. There's not for me. I'd never accuse anyone of over celebrating. What football's all about? How can you turn around and say, "Oh, look"? Mm. Like it's it's just not. In fairness, Dan McDonald and the Weekly did. Put I love the way place. he shuts them down. He did that very well. Love it. And he he said it like it was. It was like we can't build up this terrible record that Rovers have against Bowes for two years and then not allow them to celebrate yeah exactly think about it and we celebrate like that anyway in fairness yeah hit yeah. the nail on the head yeah. you know what I mean funny enough the centre page of the Galway programme was of the Galway team invading the pitch in 1991 ah no way when they beat us in the cup final which oh, which is allowed in fairness once like a fan online compared our pitch invasion to Hillsborough Ah, listen, just delete, delete straight away. I wouldn't even respond to that. Definitely not hyperbole at all there. No, no. But Galway fans, in fairness, they were quick to point out that it was all in uh, in good spirit. Mm. So the podcast bus remained unbeaten, Gar. Are we unbeaten? We're unbeaten. Really? Yep. The Harps unbeaten, Cork unbeaten. We won all of them except Cork. That was a draw. No way. Yep. (laughs) Podcast bus stats. (laughs) Let's hope that's all. Or on the podcast, but stats. Yeah. Um, so the last one's going to be in Sligo. Eh? Sligo, yeah, I think so. I think John Connolly wants to run a joint one. So we'll see. Uh, that, that's a, it's possibly on a Saturday. Um, so we have to run that one from the four provinces. Yes, good show. Yeah, make so, it local. So I can stumble home with some dignity. Yeah, that's it. That'll be run from the four provinces, and John Connolly will be on board as conductor. And. Uh, yeah, the Junior Hoops bus was a great success. Uh, fair play to everybody involved, except Bill Gleeson. And, um, yeah, Harry Bowes and all sorts, and Padre Flynn sorting out coke for them. So, uh, 
Imagine having that game to remember as your first away trip. Proper away trip imagine. as a kid. Imagine. What more do you want? Oh my god. Insane. So they are officially hooked for life now. And on the sugar as well. So that's another thing. Um yeah, great great idea from the lads and fair play, they've doing fantastic stuff. Really would be lost without them, except for Gleason. And uh Foghorn on the forum, he said the first trip to Galway and it was like a lot of our previous visits there, great win, great drama, great crowd of rovers and as always supported them throughout the game. What a way to get ourselves into the drop of the semis. My legs went like jelly when we scored the winner, so no pitch invasion for me. It was the easiest win against a fourth division side. It wasn't the easiest win against a fourth division side when we do things but when do we do things the easy way? So that's what we look like without Jack Bourne. Sorely missed, unfortunately. He's the best player in the country and the diagonal balls all night. They weren't. It's not what we were used to. It must have had 20 or more long balls targeting the fullbacks, but didn't see much dividend from them. A great win. Great trip. Junior Hoops stand amongst our most fervent support. A credit to our club and football. And uh, yeah, I agree with everything there. I couldn't believe the type of football we were playing. Uh you could say credit the Brads if we're switching it up because it worked off ultimately. Mm. Um, yeah, we have Bill Gleeson himself. Uh, thanks for that. The kids were all very excited. They had a great time on the bus and were delighted to be part of the experience. The permission slips popped up at schools all around the place. Huge shout out to Mick Quinn for driving us. Padjo Flynn, the Gary Twig bus for the generous donations of onboard snacks and drinks. RT filmed the junior hoops arriving that may be part of the highlights of Soccer Republic tomorrow night. So the Force bus won't be the last for our newest lifelong supporters. So, uh, yeah. I know we know we do take the piss out of Bill, but they're doing fantastic work in and around the club and they are uh, great, great servants. And look what I have, Gar. I finally got it. Glenn Dunn gave me the sticker book. Uh, right, have, you, have you got any? Have you got stickers? The stickers in it? around somewhere. I don't I'm, have them I'm right now. I'm looking at the. See how uh, making sure they're all in the lines. Make sure they are bang on because if they're not, you will be expelled <laughs> from the club. Deadly though, isn't it? Yeah. Considering we were obsessed, I, every young club was obsessed growing up with with Premier League. If you're from a certain era, from the nineties, two thousand, Premier League stickers were the thing. Your swaps, big big block of swaps and do you remember something I did a couple of years ago after we did the exact same thing to Galway went behind the half time came from behind 1-2-1 one, one, last minute winner I recited a poem that I wrote oh yes we're going again do you fancy a re-airing this is very balls Carol this is yeah, very yeah it is balls. very balls yeah come on hit no. us no I've not updated I've just, I'm just going to replay the last year's one oh, right. two years ago <laughs> He's getting very historic lately. Yeah. So this is the prof being balls. Man, what a trip. And uh, to, sum, to sum up the game, Gar. <coughs> I know you might be apprehensive about this, but I've written a poem. Oh, here we go. Is it a limerick? Because <coughs> Ashbourne will love that. Do you like limericks? He loves limericks, yeah. Well, I've written what I believe is certainly not the best poem of all time, but possibly the most statistically sarcastic poem. See, we have to cater for all, all our time. fans. Now that Mickey D. Yeah. Higgins is listening, he's yeah. going to appreciate this. Yes, he is a poet. So this is my rhetoric now to Mickey D. <laughs> Ode to Mickey D. Yeah. The locals peep out and pull back the curtain. It said debt and taxes are almost as certain. They've seen a whose party last over ten years. Connor win lose and grown tribesmen in tears. Yet, Rovers feel welcome. The stories are true. Points on offer. And you can drink there too. The Indian signs are good, no need to worry, even when they score a penno through Murray. 
In the hoodoo lounge, relaxing the leather. Wash through the window, a Gary Shaw header. A game of two halves, it's all in the day. Because either team can win. Except Galway. With two minutes left, the ball finds the net. RT News headline, water is wet. How's the form? I think there's a stat. About the last game, and the 16 before that. Shawzy again, does he have a previous out west? Some morning, perhaps. Who could have guessed? The grass is green. The sky is blue. Galway United 1. Shamrock Rovers 2. <laughs> Loving that, Carl. Loving that. So that was for Mickey D, our new listener. So hopefully he can come back with something else. <laughs> we can have poem wars. Balls in your card, Mickey. <laughs> yeah. So we did our quarterfinal results and we'd Sligo. Beat UCD 4-0. Just kind of fucking limped over. Just kind of fucking bent over and got beaten there, didn't they? Dundalk won 3-1 in Waterford and Bowes beat Crumlin 2-0 at Richmond Park. And that Bowes game ended up taking place 10 days after our quarterfinal because of the Scottish Chocolate Brownie Cup. Yeah, the Glaswegian uh, brownie toffee uh, caramac bar. <laughs> Took priority, yeah. Whatever it was. Yeah, so they lost to uh, Airdrie and Waterford beat Hearts Reserves, so exciting stuff. Yeah, really is. I don't think it's a few quid for competing in that, so I think that's what you're looking at. Um, the Bowles had uh, lost their league game at home to Waterford the previous Friday. So it's advantage Derry again now in the race for third. Yep. And they've actually to go to the brand new this Friday. Tough, tough game. Great trip. Yeah, but let's be honest, Sligo are not going to win the cup. So fourth will be enough for Europe this year. Yeah, I think so. I think so. And Pats, unfortunately, slipped up home to UCD there. They're two points off balls, but I reckon balls will finish ahead of yeah, Pats. And they have us in the coming fixtures, so uh, that's not looking good for Pats. Who are in transition, you could say. Um, so, yeah. Uh, I was at the Crumlin game myself, Prof. And uh, they put up a fight. Her brother was playing centre-half. Mark and Andre Roy. It was a good battle. Uh, ultimately, I think fitness kind of killed them. But, um, yeah, it was a de- decent enough performance. So, it's all, it's all up against it now, Prof. This semi-final, I'm getting frustrated even thinking about it. The draw was made the following Thursday morning. Sligo were forced out. They got home draw to Dundalk and the balls are crumbling against Rovers. Um, the scramble has officially begun. I'm getting frustrated thinking about it now. Any spares? I really am. I don't. I'm just mm. staring at the space here thinking about this game already. What a dodgy looking draw, by the way. Ah, he went straight for that ball, but it's it wasn't fixed. Like, I'm not I mean, saying it was fixed. Now people saying... are though. I know you didn't say, but people are saying it's fixed. It's not. I'm just saying. It's key fight. He's a Rovers coach. I'm, boy. I don't think I've ever seen a, ro- a, a cup draw without a swirling of the balls. You meant to give it a good rattle. Give those balls a swirl. Yeah. Grab balls. Swirl them. But the camera was there. And he just picked them all from where they were. Yes. Yeah. It's madness. That's actually part of the fun. Swirling your balls. So just grabbing them and swirling them around. Keith thought he wanted these weirdos who, if I handed him a load of bubble wrap. He, he, put would, it in the he would just sit there and use his phone. He put it in the And not even touch it. Yeah, yeah, he probably is. <laughs> um, All I was missing was the dog and the dog helper in the slight of hand. Like <laughs> in the GA. Yeah, the dog. <laughs> this is his best friend, Johnny. It's gonna help Say us with hello, the draw. Johnny. Dogs can't talk, you fucking idiot. Yeah, so. Um, so, as you say, the scramble. Ah, that's the club, insane. The club will be criticised. 
Either way. Unfairly though. They, they can't win here. Because it's this is one of the times being a member and a season ticket holder is going to benefit you. Probably the most beneficial since the Europa League group stages. Yep. This game. So let's start pushing for membership. Incre- increase now. So we'll tell you a little bit about the membership. <laughs> well it's actually that was good to hear because we, we should be increasing we, it though we, because but this we know it's dipped in recent years uh, it's actually gone up to nearly 400 again yeah it's looking good it's fantastic so I mean there's so many advantages but it's not like fair enough there is a lot of advantages but it's not about that for me and I think once you get past that stage then you'll, you'll be happy you'll be happy to be a member like it's it's not about the, the money to me, it's it's more it's more than that, but um, yeah. So uh, well, the James, big one, James and Carol aren't a little go, so that frees up two tickets. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I just talk of showing the game in eighteen ninety nine bar, which is a fantastic show because it's something that see. The, I think our hands are tied with the council. There's not many things we can do. Like it, it'd be great to be able to have like a function on a Saturday where you'd have a race night and the players could show up or play the year and then Saturday and we'd make a massive profit on the bar. I, I think our hands are tied with licensing and stuff like that so if we could do this it'd be absolutely amazing everyone who doesn't have a ticket on the same place drinking it's a payday on both ends and hopefully a trip to the final so uh, let's hope that can happen so uh, keep your ear close to the ground we'll see what happens it could happen it's a shame we have to try and cram three and a half thousand people into a dilapidated daily mount someone mentioned that when we met back in 2001 it was nearly 8,000 it's a it's just been um a lack of care and a lack of respect for like a, a fantastic old ground that's steeped in history so it's just a mismanagement of the of, of their club for the last couple of years and obviously they've been on the up for a while now and they're, they're gone but I, re- I, I reckon this they, they could fall into a bit of limbo as regards to when they move out of Daily Mount and yeah, into Talca I don't think this Talca thing is going to go well at all I don't think it's I don't think the little hipster kick that they're on now at the mm. moment and well, they'll, the, the they'll have the boost of European money in Venice now that, yeah. that'll spur them on a bit it, was, it will but I just don't I just don't think that their attendances will stay the way they are like like ours dipped when we were knocking around for years so um, it'd be interesting to see what happens especially with the development of Daily Mount as well because this I mean have they even decided on contractors and what's going on who's going to build it this, you know what the building game is like it's going to be very very seedy uh, and, and, un, and the, the, the underbelly of the the construction world will, will rear its head and who wants contracts and who's Tesco's getting paid still, uh, stumbling block, Tesco yeah. still yeah so it's it's going to be interesting to see how it gets developed Um, we're moving on to the big big event and it was Jack Bourne earning his first Ireland cap become the 500 player to get a caps or Rover 64th and he came out last half around a friendly win to absolutely run the fucking show very impressive very very impressive dropping shoulders everywhere Bulgarians all over the pitch lying around (laughs) dazed and confused what a cameo absolutely brilliant inch perfect corner and people are talking about you know it's a friendly in Bulgaria maybe they weren't arse but a corner is a corner whatever level if you if you can do that nine times out of ten a game, that's invaluable. And the one thing we love, Prof, the the the, the pass before the assist. Ah. What noise did you make when you did? Ah. Ah. <laughs> Didn't even care what happened after. Unbelievable. Yeah. And he just really 
good account for himself, good cameo. And I love that it was Ender Stevens as well who provided the, the ah, volley the super assist. volley assist. So you had Byrne, you had Stevens, you had Travers as well, ex ex hoop. You had me and you just going ah. <laughs> But uh, sure, come to remember last time Ireland scored a team goal as good as that. <laughs> yeah, let's be honest. Let's be but, honest. Um, no knockdowns, no long balls, you know. But as we know, Jack has been doing that week in, week out, just assist after assist. And so now, now the whole world has seen it. I love how uh, while we were looking on the bench the whole game, uh, our interest being could one of our players become an international. Bowls were looking at fellas in crutches in the away end wearing Bowls jerseys. So that was their that was their main focus of attention mm. for that day. But hey, they're hipster and they're cool. <laughs> Speaks volumes, doesn't it? And then we'd... Uh, what, what did you think of the pundit's reaction? I thought Myler was very complimentary. Sadlier and... Was it was it Kevin Doyle, was it? Yeah, I think so. Sadlier um, was Sadlier, I think. Yeah, they played it down to an extent. I didn't think it was bad. Some people were going mad about it. Uh, I get why McCarthy played it down, him and Troy Parrott, because McCarthy's got one campaign. He's not going to change the squad now. Yeah. So, I get that. But you've got to look at... Um, like, I mean, he came on and he was extremely impressive. Obviously, I'm biased slightly, but... I think like I haven't seen like a cameo like that in a long time. Anyone coming on and impressing that much in thirty minutes? He was brilliant. He was really was, and that's that. You could say I'm biased, but I, he really did step up, and he was fantastic. Absolutely brilliant to see, and just a beam and smile on his face. Ah, oh, yeah. He's just a genuine lad. Good lad. How how chill was he? Grounded down to earth. So jersey's gonna be hung up in the in the gaff now. In the gaff, the yeah. Nile, sort of He's a Jackie's gaff and. Jack was singing Jackie's Army in the on a club night out as well. So good to see him. He's he's not afraid of the stage either. Good old voice on him. So a good uh, good week all around, and we're at the business end now, prof. Business end now. Three games in the next ten days. Friday, Monday, Friday. Yep. Big one. Eleven hours. It's a big one, prof. <laughs> Actually, don't even care about the, the knock game. <laughs> I the whole time I was only thinking I'm that. I'm not even. I was even thinking that. I'm just like balls. <laughs> yeah. I was just. Oh wait, you have two games before that. Okay. Oh. I'll keep half an eye on it at work, and then I'll actually be thinking about balls with the whole match. Unbelievable. Um. Yeah. So that is. That's that. And we the. With Gary Neville, who's probably referring to Jack in an interview, he mentioned Rovers, and he was shocked that Little Ireland, uh, would ask for three hundred k for a player to move to Salford. So, uh, puts his foot in it once again, Gary Neville. Mm-hmm. What's all the fuss with him lately? He's on Twitter everywhere, he's trending. People are talking about him. Why are people talking about him? Well, him and Keno did a talk or something. I'm not fucking yeah. bothered with him at all, man. He's irrelevant. Really is. He doesn't do anything for me. Him or Carter, this, this fucking little rivalry you have going on, I could not give a fuck about it. So, um, yeah, it just shows you the attitude that he has. Little Ireland. Disgraceful comments. And uh, Prof Maxime Vuil 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 V U I L L E Vuil. Any French speakers there? Or tell me if I'm saying that right. A Swiss defender who played for a B team in 2014. He now works with the International Olympic Committee as an expert in intellectual property in their legal department. Ah, oh, me too. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> the odd snap. Oh, sure, you talking to today? Yeah. yeah. He was interviewed before Ireland played Switzerland. 
about his time here. And he said he was actually impressed with, with the, the style of football in Ireland and St- by Stephen McPhail in particular. He thought he was very good. And uh, Intellectual he, property in their legal department. Yes. And Gareth, the magic plane. You've heard of the magic plane. Yes, I've it been even, on plenty of magic planes and away buses. <laughs> <laughs> it even works, Gareth, for the Trinidad and Tobago international team because as soon as Danny Kerr left Ireland for sunny Cyprus he got his first cap yeah and he scored no goal and he scored no goal Girl, the two all draw so congrats to Danny yeah. great to see him get a cap um, yeah so Shells are back the real Reds as they call themselves the real Derby is back yeah, the real Derby is back as Joe says yeah. and they be draw, they beat the 3-1 in a winner, takes all game at the Sold Out United Park and uh, scenes towards the end. Absolute madness. Uh, fair play to him. Yeah, big shout out to Lukey Bourne as well because Lukey Bourne will be a friend of the show and he's always been great with us and it's good mm-hmm. to see him play. And from what I heard, he's been player of the season. So great shout Big shout out to Lukey. And uh, once a hoop, always a hoop. Lukey was a good lad with us. Just never really worked with the horrific injury list that he suffered with. So it's great to see him back playing ball and getting a good run out. So, uh, yeah. Lukey Bourne um, Sean Cavanagh and Aaron McInerf were nominated for the League Player of the Month award for August but was won by Dan Cleary Skeletor Head Aaron Green won Rovers Club award for that month well deserved as well for Aaron for having a prolific month hopefully he can continue on and put the balls to the sword oh god this semi-final every time I think about it you can't no time no time yeah Um on the Rage results, the 19s won 2 1 away to Cove and on Sunday with goals by Thomas Olua and Smithers. Excellent. 17s beat Cove Rammers 4 0 at Rollstone. Goals by Rolando Banya. Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> I was looking forward to this. I'll uh, go on to the other ones first. Hand and, oh, oh yeah, Hand and Imark Human and. Brzozowski. 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 There's two Zs in it. Yeah, there's two Zs. Two. Bert's Ozowski. Yeah, that'll do. Bert's Ozowski and uh, the 15s won 2 and away to Bowles a couple of weeks ago. It's happened again. <laughs> and they won 2 and away to Cork on Saturday to win their group with two points ahead of Bowles and uh, the Tordanes beat Cork 2 0 at the Rollstone. On Saturday, they finished runners up to the group and Bowles and goal difference. So the 19s play Bray and Talent on Saturday. They're currently in second place. At worst, they'll finish third. And they've already qualified for the quarterfinals. And the 17s still have a couple of games left. And they're away to Bray on Saturday. Only one defeat all season for them. And they're well ahead in the league. No games for the 15s and the third games this weekend. They play their semi-final games the week after. So a little break. We're hearing that the new fourth stand at Tallis Stadium is in its final stages before work commences. The next work will be an extension to the west stand. And executive boxes going in for Tifties behind the Perspex sheets that are there now. Uh, we decide who go there. And we have the keys. Uh, the next plan will be to fill in the corners and it'll hold close to 12k when completed to a proper little stadium that's excellent news and uh, yeah so can't wait for the Tifty's executive box to be opened to cut the ribbon so uh, we're going to have uh, the rest of McDara and Robert so we're going to find out what uh, Harry Kenny wore on January 14th that day and then you're going <laughs> to find out what you have for breakfast off Robert and <laughs> so they've nominated two right backs each so far and we'll continue on with the clip and then you'll hear Joey versus Big Al in the quiz and Mr Jason Maloney will be very very happy with the length of the show this week considering he lambasts over length <laughs> so this is McDerra and Robert and then we've got Joey versus Alan okay back to you Robert uh, well I was thinking of Peter Eccles 
who I did actually see playing, unlike Mickey Burke and and John Cho. Uh, I remember I used to go to Milltown, the matches would be on on Sunday afternoon, and I'd be standing just behind the dugouts and the terracing just in front of the stand. And this young lad, uh, Peter Eccles, was uh, given his debut in the game against UCD. Um, it was a pretty dreadful game, nondescript, nothing really to write home about. We won 1 0 with the Alan Campbell penalty. Uh, I remember about Peter Eccles that uh, he was, I think he was only 18 when he made his debut. He was very tall, skinny, and gangly sort of, of young lad. And he came in for a lot of stick. Uh, I don't know the reason why, from a small section of Rovers fans who just thought he was a uh, fair game to, to slag off, I suppose. I never really understood that, to be honest with you. Just call him uh, Jennifer Eccles from the, the song and whatever, like as you've heard before. Um, and I really admired Peter for, you know, shutting all of that out because it's not like he's playing in the stadium 20,000 people where you wouldn't have, have heard anything. And it just reminded me of the Eric Cantona incident when he, you know, got involved with a, with a fan when, you know, it must have been difficult to hear what the guy was actually shouting at him. But in Milltown, you would have heard everything that was said at you. And, you know, for a young lad like Peter Rex, like that, I really admired him for the way he just kept calm and kept cool and just uh, kept on playing. He didn't let any of that get to him. And other young players, might, that might have affected him very badly. Um, Peter came to us from um, a club in Cabra called St. Brendan's, where he had actually played as a centre-forward for uh, for most of his years before his manager put him back to centre-half for, for two years. So he, uh, he came into us and he was signed as a centre-half by Johnny Doyle's but went in as a as a right fall after Harry Kenny had his leg broken. Uh, Peter went straight in after uh, the week after Harry's in- incident. Um, I don't think Peter was actually playing the reserves for very long. He was only playing there for a couple of weeks before he was thrown in at the deep end. He revealed to us in the hoops book that we wrote that he actually hated playing as right fall, even though he played there for almost two full years. But uh, that's where Giles put him into, and he did a really good job for a guy who hated playing in that, that position. So Jim McLaughlin came in and switched him back to centre-half, uh, and that's probably what most people will remember Peter as. So I had been thinking about Peter quite a lot for, for this position, and then I was also thinking about Mick Neville. And, you know, Mick Neville was a favourite player of mine. He really was Mr. Calm, Mr. Cool. And certainly Mr. Versatile, you could play him anywhere on the park at all. You could play him on the left or the right. You could play him in the, the full-back positions. Uh, you could play him as centre-half. But Mick actually played quite a bit as right full for us. And I thought he had a lot of style about him. And I really liked Mick Neville, I have to say, if I was looking back on it. So I was kind of wondering what I nominate Peter Eccles or Mick Neville. And after saying all that about Peter Eccles... I finally decided my way down here to, to opt for McNeville instead. Right, number three, my there. When I was asked to pick out right backs, I was like, okay, it's not the it's not the most glamorous role, you know. I really enjoyed listening to um, the lads go through the goalkeepers uh, last week. Might necessarily might have disagreed with some of the suggestions, but you found it a shocking omission of Baz. Well, yeah, I think so. But anyway, um, the. You know, in terms of right back, it is the most glamorous role. You know, picking out a goalkeeper or a striker, maybe a winger, might be a bit, bit easier. Um, but 
in terms of right backs, Pat Sullivan just sprang to mind when it was. Uh, you said that was the position. To my mind, I had to had to pick him again. He he's a player who did win, had success at Rovers. So he he was signed by Michael O'Neill in the 2009 season. And when Rovers went, you know, in in their debut season, went pretty close to. Uh, went pretty close to winning the league which was which was quite impressive uh, he scored late in the season we had this game against Cork City where we were still behind Bohemians at that point and we scored early um, might have been the third last game of the season it was in around that time and I thought like yeah we're really going to put push pressure on 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 Bowes and we somehow managed to lose it with Billy Denny who was playing for for Cork City at the time who was Pat Sullivan's previous club as well um, he scored late and then we went to Dundalk and lost 4-2 and, and uh, it, it just didn't happen for us that season but um, it did the next season and the season after that so he won two league titles he, he played three seasons with us um, but it's mainly I, I remember him for that goal in Belgrade did I ever tell you about the time I was in Belgrade? Uh, a few times he brought this up Robert yeah um, you know a game where you know, we went we went a goal down in in that second leg, and you know you're trying to in Europe you're trying to reassure yourself. Oh well, we always needed to score a goal, and you're kind of going, yeah, okay, but could we actually score a goal against uh, against Partizan? And he, he got a, a as good a goal as I think I'll ever see. I'll probably ever I'll go to my grave saying it's probably the best goal I've ever seen because it's the context of what that goal was that 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 volley, and uh, it came it came out of the blue. Um, and it, it put us in the driving seat for the rest of the game. We obviously went to, went into extra time, and we got the penalty. The the, now the Pats manager Stephen O'Donnell got the got the goal, and um, you know the whole thing about being one of 43 fans there, and and he he was one of the, like all the players came over afterwards. Uh, um, he handed the jersey into the crowd. If I'm not mistaken, I think. Uh, Maybe Paddy Dolly Hunty got his jersey, but certainly somebody got his his jersey afterwards. And and when we went back, um, the the fans and the team were the fans were bussed to the ground from the team hotel, and we were bussed back to the team hotel afterwards. And it's a memory that I I have of coming back in after the after the game. We got in just ahead of the team, um, and the team came in and kind of the. The staff at the hotel and all the Rovers fans. So there weren't that many of us, including the officials. It was probably maybe 55. Kind of, uh, they kind of got a. They were clapped into the, clapped into the ground. And I had, um, had the goal. I had Sullivan's goal on on my phone, and I, I showed it to him. He hadn't seen it back, and he just went decent. And it, and it was a decent strike. And, and a fond memory that I have is then that both the the Rovers officials and the supporters and the the team watched back the the full 120 minutes uh, in the hotel afterwards, and and just seeing the reaction when when his goal went in, we we're kind of looking at the scoreboard and or looking at the clock to see when it, when it went in, uh, and he was voted not not the player of the year in in 2011, but the players player of the year, and um, that was something that I think maybe Michael O'Neill had asked the players to do. I'm open to correction, but but. Um, I think that reflected what the play obviously reflected what the players thought of him. But I think his efforts on the field, he was uh, he's quite uh, quietly spoken off the field, but on the field, um, he was kind of one of those angry players. And, and you need you need those type of players if you're going to win the title. And um, you know, he picked up a fair few bookings, got a couple of red cards as well. Um, but I think he he. The players voted in the Player of the Year, I think, for his efforts kind of in, in training. He gave it his full and his efforts on 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 the pitch as well. Um, 
and uh, like he he didn't he, he left after in 2011 went to Longford played with Pat Flynn I think the pair of them managed to get sent off in, in the game against a, 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 Rovers, a Rovers B side at, at one stage um, and, and definitely that was the, the high point of his career because it was those three seasons at Rovers where we finished runners up and, and won two league titles qualified for the Europa League and, and won a Santa Cup so um, yeah Pat Sullivan would be my number three refuses to come on this podcast unfortunately uh, Robert your final selection yeah we'll have to concur with um, McDermott when he says about the right full positions and I was thinking to myself uh, why did Carl Riley confine me to the right fulls <laughs> especially you know uh, as I don't mean following or seeing Rovers play from 1980 to 87 um, I was saying why didn't he give me the ones that the lads got last week goalkeepers or centre halves or strikers whoever gets strikers is going to get a dream so this um, player, actually, it's he came really good towards the end of the the four in a row era, even though he played for us yeah, well beyond that. And I'm talking about Harry Kenny. Um, Harry was only 16 when he joined Rovers from Kinverner Boys, I think it was, on the Navan Road, and he was brought in by Giles as part of what was uh, then known as an Anko scheme. We would call it a Foss scheme now. It's something similar probably to what we have with the, the players at the Ashfield College now at the moment. Um, there was a lot of other young players there at the time, like Dave Henderson was quite young, Mick Savage, Alan Campbell, Richie Bailey, Pierce O'Leary. A lot of these players were on this uh, this scheme. It was like a, a YTS scheme that they had in England that Giles was introducing into Ireland. So Harry was only 17 then when he made his debut in a midweek fixture against Cork Celtic. It was a, a league game and it's coming towards the end of the season. Uh, Rovers had a cup semi-final against Waterford. That would have been in 1979. And that, that game was coming up on the Sunday. So Giles sent out a very mixed team. And Harry was one of the young players that was on it. And he came through it very well. Showed no nerves or anything like that. Uh, I, he suffered a massive setback in late 1981 when he suffered a broken leg at Milltown. And it happened right in front of where I was standing at the wall just to the to right of the Rovers dugout and it was a player from Sligo Rovers by the name of Liam Patton who mistimed his tackle and I remember hearing the crack of the bone as it broke and I was kind of in shock to tell you the truth so that set Harry back quite a long time um, as I said Peter Eccles then came in the following week uh, came straight in and then kept Harry out of the team for a good while even after Harry recovered um, Harry also had a spell in 1982 after he had recovered with Vancouver Whitecaps. Just six months he was there. But that was a, a club that Giles actually coached during the summer months. He'd go off in um, March and mightn't come back until August or September. And he brought he brought Pierce O'Leary, a couple of young players over there. And O'Leary was subject of a huge transfer to them, but it didn't happen for Harry. But probably that's what Giles was hoping for. But it's nice for Harry to be able to say that he played there for, for those six months. Um, he didn't get in in the four in a row in the first of the first year, 83-84, after Jim McLaughlin had taken over because he was jittering on the contract at the time. And McLaughlin wasn't going to hang around anyway. He was signing all the players that he wanted and he brought in Anto Whelan who had been uh, been playing for Manchester United and came back home here. Uh, Anto had experience previously playing with Bowes in the League of Ireland. Uh, so um, we had um, Peter Eccles, who was considered centre-half by many, but 
he also slotted in as as Roy Fall, as I said, during that time of Harry, but then eventually under the Jim McLaughlin there, uh, McLaughlin considered Peter Eccles to be more of a centre-half, so Harry didn't have to contend with that. So, as I said, I also nominated Mick Neville there. Well, Mick, um, sorry, uh, well, Mick was so versatile that he could slot in anywhere in the, in the four-in-a-row team. So Harry then began to settle down as the right fall said he had his leg break put behind him he had his contract difficulties put behind him this was his opportunity now where he had this straight run as a, as a rifle and as I said he came really good towards the end of that four in a row era we went down to Galway in I think it was March 1986 and Galway were second in the league and it was the title was looking like it was between us and Galway at the time and we were winning 2-0 uh, two, two at the time I think it was and Harry scored a fantastic curling goal into the net. And strangely enough, for a player who always played on the right, he actually used his left foot that day to do that. Uh, great win down there. It was basically the game probably that, that won the league for us. Uh, I do remember a game in Dalymount Park uh, where Harry punched a player called um, Tom Conway. Uh, I think, it was an, I think it was a league game actually I can't really remember too too much about that game it's just something behind that always sticks in, in my head um, but it was a, it was a, there was a tough edge about him that players didn't like coming up against him uh, Harry to me he he did his job really really well and it's no wonder that you know he was a success with the four in a row he stayed with Rovers along with Jody Bourne after John McNamara took over in 1988 and he stayed with us up to through the uh, or some of the RDS era I think up to ni- late 1991 I think it was uh, before he, he moved on then uh, he got a testimonial game he got a testimonial dinner I should say held in the Stewart's Hospital in Palmerstown in which the entire Republic of Ireland team attended Jack Charlton and the Republic Ireland team it was on a Friday afternoon and the Ireland team had qualified for the Europe the European finals in 1988 it was the first time ever that an Irish team had qualified so it was a massive um, recognition I think of Harry and what he had achieved at Rovers that the entire team and the Irish squad came up that afternoon and it was an absolute fantastic turnout for him so I'm going to nominate uh, Harry Kenny. Okay, so Madara, I think we all know who your final selection is. Tell us why you've chosen Craig Gilbert. Uh, yeah, the worst, um, the worst eleven would be maybe just as competitive, but uh, I think in that position, yeah, that guy, that poor fella gets a scapegoat, but I think he, I think he earned it. In terms of my maybe my best right back uh, or the the fourth one, I thought it was between two players. Um, and the first was was Jer O'Brien, who who played for Rovers um, in the 2006 First Division season, which is is still one of my favourite seasons, simply because we travelled all around uh, Ireland playing in a lot of grounds I'd never been to. We won most weeks, um, and we just spent one season in the First Division. And while we don't have an ever relegated banner, uh, I do look back fondly on that season. So he was one of the players that. Um, um, that, that came in and he played three seasons with us at, at, at Rovers he was player of the year in um, 
he was player of the year in 2007 so Pat Scully had, had brought him into the club um, and then one of the other reasons why I, I remember him fondly is that we sold him and that secured enough money seemingly to sign Gary Twigg so that worked out quite well um, uh, Gerard Bryan went on to have great success at Pats and uh, I remember him on one of the podcasts uh, probably I don't know which one but he was talking about you know would he be cheering on other teams in Europe and Rovers in Europe and he said no he'd only be cheering on his own club so I think that that was his death nail for getting the best right back position uh, in the team so I, I've gone with Simon Madden who had two spells at, at Shamrock Rovers uh, and actually it was the arrival of, of Pat Sullivan um, to Tala that really was the death nail I think of of um, of, of Simon Madden under Michael O'Neill so he played in in 2008 and 2009 um, and as I said earlier on we went we went close to, to winning the, the league in 2009 he didn't play uh, say he was in and out of the team he kind of went uh, over to Darlington um, and then went to Dundalk and and um, you know, played there, and then he came back to to Rovers. It must have been Pat Fennell, I think, who must have signed him, and uh, he just played week in, week out. He played. Uh, it was 123. I'm looking down at my notes. 123 games in a row, and then, mm-hmm. and this might be nearly forced him out of the team. He he missed a game for his brother's wedding. I just don't understand. In Galway, of all places. Yeah, in Galway, and uh, he didn't last much longer. So I don't know whether that actually didn't go down well with with um, with Stephen Bradley. But he was like to be a right back and going up and down like uh, he's well into his thirties now, if I can say that. But he uh, he seemed to just get up and down the whole time and didn't pick up bookings. That you know, five yellow cards across the season, you get a booking, and he managed to play 123 competitive games in a row. And I think that's a testament to his his fitness and uh, what he brought to the team. And, and like Stephen Bradley's now three and a bit years in charge, and we've talked a bit about how there's there's no one involved when he took over still at the club. And um, I think in virtually every instance and maybe only in this instance any player that he's moved on um, they really haven't had better success uh, away from, from Rovers and there's a lot of players that have moved from from Rovers to Pats um, and when he left it was a little bit controversial um, you know he'd been involved coaching at the team uh, I think his, his, his kids are playing in the sorry the, at one of the youth teams um, his kids are, are were involved in the team as well he's from Tala um, and you know he it was a phone call uh, Stephen Bradley had, had rung him and when he realised that 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 Madden was away on holidays, he said, "Well, let's not talk to him to come back." But Madden was like, "Well, I kind of need to know," so he kind of got told over the phone that he was that he was moving on. I think the right back position, um, you know, maybe they looked at that he was slowing down, uh, and he's played regularly with Pats and has, has played pretty well with Pats. Um, and at Rovers, we've I think Stephen Bradley was looking at maybe Ethan Boyle, uh, who's a young player. Um, and has done well, reasonably well at Rovers, but hasn't really kicked on and hasn't. I, I don't think has has improved. I think we've been lucky with Joey O'Brien has been has been able to play so much this season and has played a little bit at, at right back and Rovers for some of the games. Stephen Bradley has used three at the back, um, and uh, I think it's probably a position. You know, if I look at the players, you know, 
we've you know in the my time and maybe kind of since 2006 you've a Gerard Brown you've a Simon Mann you've a Pat Sullivan they've played a lot of those games there actually haven't been a lot of, of right backs I think it's probably a position that we might need to to strengthen to get a player that could come in and maybe uh, and play regularly week in week out for the for the next few seasons so yes yeah, so so Simon Madden is, is my fourth right back so when the poll goes up on Robert Shatt in a few days who is getting your vote yeah, I don't know whether that might skew. Maybe people listen to what I'm going to say and they'll go, well, I'll, Jesus Ferris is no end and I'm going to go with someone else. But uh, I'm just going to go with Pat Sullivan. Uh, Belgrade, uh, enough said. All right, and who will you go, Robert? Uh, I'm going to go for Harry Kenny. I have very fond memories from the foreigner row era. Um, like Mickey Burke, uh, Harry wasn't exactly the, the tallest of guys, but he was fairly well built. Um, he would bomb down that wing... Um, get some great crosses in good player to play with I'm sure where the other players were concerned um, his family were Rovers fans so Harry himself wore that jersey with pride so I'm going to go for Harry Kenny Right, this question from the East End quarter final between Joey O'Brien and Adam Manis so quick reminder of the rules first to five points wins going to go back and forth between football and general knowledge you circle the question you want and then I'll read it out have to take your first answer and steals are allowed except for multiple choice questions and there's about four of those so and to determine who goes first I gave you a question I said uh, Alan Joey you played 26 games in all competitions this season so 26 times you've been both on the pitch at the same time how many clean sheets did you keep uh, Joey said 16 Al said 12 the answer was 13 so Al was closer so, do you want to go football or general knowledge first, Al? General knowledge. Alright. I have a thing here to help me determine the order. So, also, also when you pick one, say like, Al, you go, say you want to one, could you cross this out as well? So I know the order. Okay. So can you cross that out? I know Joey General's next. Okay. okay. So I find out how you track it. So you so want to? Yeah, pick the one you want there. You feel complicated this. <laughs> no, someone pointed out to me. I had the art. It was Greg and Ethan, and it was just all over the shop. So, knowledge number three. Uh, what does it mean when a person says they are non-binary? They're not one way or the other neutral. As in, they're not definitely yet, yes, definitely no, whatever. Definitely one way or the other in between. We didn't specify though. As in, are you talking about like sexuality or gender? Yeah, it's the right answer, so I'm going to give it to them. Yeah. Fucking hell. I know, you got it, you got it. Oh, we got next. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, which one do you want? Uh, up. Did you just get home a point there? Oh, yeah. That one's been wrong, so I was on the. Should I give it to me? 
That's why you need Gary here. It's too hard to do one person. You want number six? Yeah. Arthur Conan Doyle wrote which novels? Fuck knows. No. How about that? Lost World. No, it's Sherlock Holmes. So, Alan Football. How many goals has Ethan Boyle scored in his Rovers career so far? One. Yep. <laughs> Maybe he scored at least one, but. Since 1950, only one player has played for both the Republic of Ireland and Northern Ireland at senior level. Who is it? African striker and three-time Champions League winner with Barcelona and Inter Milan who announces retirement this month. Repeat again please. Name the African striker and three-time Champions League winner with Barcelona and Inter Milan who announces retirement this month. Uh, Ronaldinho? No. Joey? Samuel Atto. Yep. Joey General. Donegal borders with Derry, Tyrone, Fermanagh, and which western county? Sligo. No. Out. Oh. Do you know if it's a county, Ladder County? Ladder County, is it? Sorry? Ladder County? No. That's a town in the league. What was it? never got that. County Leitrim, that was the answer. So, Alan, football. Four. Four. 
Which two English Premier League clubs are still without a win this season? Um, Aston Villa? No. Gonna go straight to Joey, so. Two of them, you said? Two of them, yeah. Watford? Mm-hmm. Another one. And. Three seconds. Crystal Palace? No, it was Wolves. Watford and Wolves. So, Joey Football? Yep. One. Who scored the winning goal the last time Rovers beat Dundalk? Dylan. Yep. Bit of a comeback on Robert Mugabe was formerly the president of which country? Uganda. No, over to Joey. Zimbabwe. Yep. Catching a I've seen him in the coffee beer the other day. Pays to keep up the news, isn't it? Joey General Tree. Four of them. Uh, in cricket, who has won more ashes, Australia or England? Australia. Yep. 50 50 yesterday. 3 0 down to 4 3 up. You'd be chance with this one since you played in it. Name the two beaten semi finalists in the 2016 Euros Wales. Germany? Yep. Great guess. Next one, winner. 4 0. Joey has the advantage. Three football. Who is the captain of St. Pat's? Ian Bramming. Yep. Joey wins 5 4. That's it. Go now. Yep. Good game, lads. So, Prof, we've got your eight rifles across two different eras there. We do indeed, yeah. Gave McDerry an excuse to talk about Belgrade again. You know how uh, much he loves course. to talk about it. I would I'd be talking about it all day as well. Yeah. Was part of the elite few. So he was he would be his chosen one out of the four. Robert would select Harry Kenny when it when it goes to Who I think will run away with it. Possibly. Yeah. But then again, as Maloney talks about Mr uh, McNeville, I think he he's very, very good, so interesting I think it was off air he said this. Uh Robert said he would have picked the same four as McDerry. Ooh. Now that's I'd be chuffed if I was McDerry there now. Robert Goggins. Yeah, because I couldn't. I was form. only saying to you yeah. off air, who could I have picked yeah. that is not included? So it's a tough one, yeah. 
Yeah. I think we got them all right. I think they've all been bang on, you know. And what about Joey? He just keeps going against what the odds. What a comeback. Joey is the main man. <laughs> He's officially the main man. What was, a guy. I was worried for him there, but uh, yeah, he came back. What a guy. The, tie, the tiebreaker question had to, had to do with clean sheets there. And Big Al has kept 16 clean sheets in the league this year. That's actually year. more than 2010. So Ooh. this is now his record for Rovers. His best season? Because remember, he's never had a full season. Yeah. Other than 2010. This is only going to be second full season. As for our quiz competition, we've only got seven left. Oh, oh have you got them there? Yeah, we've got Paulo Dwyer, Keith Comerford, Cottle Doyle, Sean Keane, Ross Cremeg, not his real name, Daniel Kyo, and Jake McConnell. Oh, Possible bus patrons bar one, I think. <laughs> All of them say it's a fix. Yeah, so it could it theoretically could happen that none of them win because none of them picked Ethan to win the trophy. And but then the house wins. But I would say it's likely like the most people can win is like is two, as in would have to be shared amongst two. So if that happens, we'll share the prizes amongst them. So go on. Stats prof. We want the stats well Galway. Uh Shane Mooney came out to me just before kick off and he was like, Any stats for you, prof? I I said, Well, we're going for a nineteen consecutive win over Galway and then his face dropped <laughs> and he was like Shit. Well, I didn't want didn't want those stats. <laughs> and then full time whistle goes in Galway, hugging random people left, right and centre. Shane Mooney comes over Grabs me by the lapels. He goes nineteen. <laughs> so, so you've been a, you've been yeah. hammered, prof, by yeah. Mister Mooney. Yeah, imagine being a Galway fan. He must be sick of us. Oh man! So we've won seven games in a row in all competitions. Lovely. For the second time under Bradley, we also did that in twenty seventeen, and that had been the first time since nineteen ninety three. So, if we make eight consecutive wins. In all competitions against Pats, that would be the best since a run of nine in 1987. Ooh, since the four in a row. Mm. That run was ended by a defeat to Amonia Nicosia in the Ooh. European Cup Talca Park, where we wore a bright yellow jersey for some reason <laughs> in a home match. And oh, yeah. yeah, looking for a six straight league win over Pats, it'd be the best run since the 1970s. Uh, we did beat them three out of four times in 2009-2010, but we're actually looking for our first whitewash over them Ooh. since 93-94 when we won the league. Oh, yeah. banish the four, the yeah. four nil. They haven't whitewashed us since 1997-98 when they were league champions. Uh, we're on 64 points at the moment. Yes. If we get another win, it's the most since 2011. Go on, hit me with this one, tell me. Tell me, Prof, come on. I know, I know it's coming. We have 20 wins and 53 goals at the moment. We got 23 wins and 69 goals in 2011, so I'm not too far off. So you might have heard this stat, that the Dock set a new record for most points after 30 games played. Right. This is also our highest ever total after 30 games in a three points for a win system. Oh. So we have 64 now. We only had 63 at this point in 2009. 16 in 2010 and 1994 when we won the league and 61 2011 so the only time we've ever got a higher points tally than this after 30 games 
was the 1984-85 season. And that was a two-point per win system. So, Bradzer is officially... the. This is officially our best season in a long, 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 long time. It's going to, It's potentially going to be our highest points tally not being league champions ever. Yeah, Jesus. So that says no it all about... fucking prizes for that. It says, that was like the Liverpool trophy last season, wasn't it? Yeah. Record points tally for know, non-champions. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, only six defeats... And they were all to the other cup semi-finals as it happened. Two to the dock, yeah. three to Bowes, one to Sligo. Three to Bowes. Yeah. Fuck's sake. Imagine where we'd be now if we even got a scalp over. Put that in the context, we only lost seven in 2010 and we still won the league title. Yep, true, true. Right, uh, so, Prof, keep hitting me with the stats. Uh, and that's it, actually. So that is it, and we're going to do starting 11 and predictions. Okay, I'll go. So it's going to be Grayson Pico. Uh, oh, fuck. Eden Boyle. No, I can't play him. Um, it's going to be... I'll, go, I'll, put, I'll put Lafferty right full. I'm going to put Cabo left full. I'm going to put Grayson Pico there. I'll stick Borky on the left. I'm going to put... Jacko. Bulger. And Finn in the middle. Greener up top. And... Oh, prof. Watts. Let's take Watts out there. Get the cloud going again. The cloud. See what happens. The only change I'd make there is keep Gary O'Neill on the team. Yeah. Ahead of Bulger. I'm going to play Bulger for the, the ex-club factor. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think he'll come out and he'll come on top. He'll relish that. I wonder what sort of team changes he'll make over the two games, the Friday, Monday. Massive. This is where he'll earn his, his, his spores now. This is where he'll... Because uh, he don't really want to be... The stripes... Be too quote unquote weakened against Dundalk but at the same time four days before the biggest game of the season you don't want to play a full 11 either yeah it's a uh, it's a it's a it's really is where Brazos gonna gonna mm. make, make or break himself really with regards to just team selection but we've got the big enough squad's massive it's really good I think we can I think we can do it we had a behind the closed doors game last Friday uh, we beat the defence forces 5-0 and Tada nice little run out yeah heard they were well drilled <laughs> got, got 10 men behind the ball uh, everybody in the squad at least got a half except for Joey and Ferugia so where the hell is Neil Ferugia and what about Oki did he get on well I assume he didn't yeah. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> I don't even count him on the stage. I think his missus has more minutes in the jersey than he has I sent her a friend request on Instagram, Gar, purely for research purposes. Uh, some Palmeiras fans coming to this one, this past game, Gar. Oh, yes, excellent. That's pretty cool. Have you organised that? Me? No. I think we should try and meet up them, see what the crack is. That's great. I love seeing those little links. They're actually yeah. knocking around a while. So, um. I'll be give her a prediction. Yeah, predictions. I'm going to say. I'm going to say 3 1. 3 1 Rovers, yeah. I'll say three now. Oh, give, give Al a clean sheet. Old, old uh, Stevie O'Donnell. Give a torrid time and a turn back to Tada. Love me. We'll take that. So it's th- that is it for this week. And um, we'll see you at the perch. See you in the bar. See you in the south stand. Keep on hooping. See you. Ashes to ash and fuck to fuck it. We know Major Tom's a junkie. Strung out in heaven's high. Oh
Take 